Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. We're going to have up, one at a time, just a few of our directors of, uh, of Ivy Church. That's one of the official titles. It's, we, we call them elders, although I am the oldest, I think, so it's, uh, they're not that old at all. Um, but these guys... On your behalf, help to lead the church. And uh, we're, I'm so grateful for this team um, who, who have been so united. So, and I mean two things, united and prayerful, I suppose. That's what, where we've been. And I'm so grateful for each one of them. Um, we're going to be, we, some of you have sent in some questions that have helped us to be able to frame this up. Um, last, um, in January, we had our annual gratitude meeting, our AGM. And as part of that, we said that something that we wanted to do, rather than wait until next year, was a bit more informal, give an opportunity again for people to be able to ask questions and wonder about, well, what's happening in the church? That's a very, very good question with all that's gone on since the AGM. GM in January. So the first person that I want to welcome up to rapturous applause, please, is Adam Firth. So here he comes. And I'm going to just listen to Adam as he uh, helps us to, to, um, to, to think about something of where we've been this year and, uh, and, and some of the, the important things that have kind of happened in the life of our church to bring us to date. Adam. As Anthony said, we had our annual gratitude meeting right at the end. Well, it was actually the start of February, not the end of January. But we had our annual gratitude meeting back then. And we wanted to take the opportunity to get together again um, midway through the year or just beyond and give some more updates and to uh, ask and answer more questions that came. Now, we didn't really anticipate that it would be anything like this. And so uh, it has been a... uh, a pretty remarkable uh, several months. Um, since mid-March, lockdown hit, and one of the things that we've been doing as a group of directors and elders is instead of meeting on a monthly basis to uh, try and govern and steward and, and manage uh, how we run things here at Ivy Church, uh, we've been meeting weekly. So it's been busy, and it's been fun. But we also were really clear from the start of lockdown that it was going to be a season of change for church and that we wanted to be able to make those changes together with uh, a wider group so that we had a helpful kind of counsel and the wisdom of uh, of a wider kind of part of of our our community. And so we called on uh, some of our previous elders, and and I want to kind of express my huge gratitude to Mike and Mark and Rob and Andrew Sherry, who gave up their Saturday mornings Mm. um, on a weekly basis to support us and uh, and help us in how we've restructured some of the the functions, some of the ways that we uh, help to to run church in many ways. Um, Alongside those, we've also had fantastic help from uh, Lynn who's continued to give us her wisdom and her prayerful support and counsel and also uh, it goes without saying that we need to be hugely grateful to uh, Catherine Proudman who uh, has also uh, stepped in and has been an incredible support linking the kind of staff team and the elders more closely together it's just been uh, 
unbelievable. So uh, if you can, give her a huge round of applause at home and she will feel it if she, even though she can't hear it. Um, and another thing that's happened... Oh, there's a round of applause in the building as well. <laughs> uh, another thing that's happened is Gemma Toussaint joined us as an elder and it, it very much is for such a time as this. She's been a, an incredible help as she's come on board um, to support our approach to some new functions. And the things that I'm going to just quickly touch upon... Um, before I hand over to Rob, are in response to two questions that we've had. So one question was uh, that given the impact on livelihoods and the potential for less connection as a church, do we have a handle on those across Ivy who are struggling, who might be uh, struggling with work or with mental health issues or financially? Um, and that very much connects with how we are responding as church to the pastoral kind of needs and the pastoral care issues. And uh, Jane Edwards has been uh, catalyzing the pastoral care function that we have given more attention to during this season. Uh, alongside Mark Howarth and many others, there's been uh, some fantastic work. Each site uh, has got a pastoral care lead and our site leaders have continued to make contact and support those that are in uh, our community who've needed that extra input and support and alongside that one of the key uh, areas uh, that that you know one of the key links that we've got is through our grow groups and so if you're not part of a grow group and you want to be please just get in touch uh, through the usual channels or just email hello at ivychurch.org and we will get you uh, linked in with a grow group where a lot of our um I guess it's that thing around proximity. The closer we are to one another, the more we can see uh, where we're struggling and where uh, that extra support is needed. So um, grow groups, uh, connecting in with site leaders and, and the site teams as well are, are two key areas that, that I would kind of emphasise in that. Um, the other kind of area that we've been really focusing on during this season is prophecy as well. We recognised from the Glasgow Prophetic Centre visit back in January um, that we would uh, be wise to um, take heed of the voice of the prophet. And so we, uh, each week when we've met, we've been asking the question, you know, what's God been saying to church? And very much you know welcome people uh, who are praying and listening to what god's saying about our future direction as ivy church to uh, send those kind of words and those pictures and whatever god's been uh, placing on your heart through to prophecy at ivychurch.org because we can then uh, take that forward as we manage things um Finally, from me, another question that uh, has been asked and continues to be asked, and one which we uh, continue to ask of ourselves each each week when we meet, is uh, what are we doing as church about the issues of racial justice and in light of the, the kind of Black Lives Matter uh, kind of protests and movement and, and all of that that came to the fore during this season since our AGM. And what we've been doing is seeking counsel, both within and outside of Ivy. Uh, we've been listening, we've been learning, and we're having ongoing conversations. Um, there are a few people who I'm personally grateful to 
um, for their inputs, you know, both kind of directly and indirectly. Uh, so Lorna and Joyce and Phil and Trish and Christy and Michelle, I'm being aware of, but there's also other people who I know have been providing really helpful uh, kind of wisdom and insight that we can use to shape uh, our response as we go forward. And uh, alongside that, we've also sought counsel outside Ivy uh, and Joel Edwards, who was uh, the previous general director of the Evangelical Alliance has been working with Anthony and we're hopeful that he's going to be working with us more fully as a team um, in the coming weeks to continue the conversations that we've been having. So that's updates from me. I'm going to hand over to Rob who's going to tell us a little bit more about some exciting updates in Cheadle Hume and give us an update on what's happening with our finances. Great so stuff. Rob. Yeah, good evening everybody. Um, it was the 17th of March earlier this year when, as Ivy members, uh, we voted into place our budget for the year. And uh, at that point, everything seemed pretty straightforward. We, we had a plan, we knew what we were doing, and we reckoned our income and expenditure for the year as a church would be about £900,000, there or thereabouts. Of course, it was then around late March that everything suddenly changed very quickly for wider society and its knock-on effects for us as a church. And that plan that I just referred to, we could pretty much quickly put it in the bin, actually, because we know we needed something else. And as Adam just referenced, you know, there's been a whole host of people who have been busy um, helping us do other things and get through this period over the last six or seven months. So... As the finance elder, I did just want to take a few moments just to update you on where we are as a church with our budget at the mid-year point uh, for this year. Um, our income has fluctuated to a degree in the first six months, but from a giving perspective, we're so grateful as a church to all of you who give faithfully and regularly. Our bank giving over these first six months of the year, given all the disruption that's been going on, has been remarkably level and steady, mm. averaging just over £43,000 per month. Some of our income has come from unexpected sources that we didn't know about or weren't thinking about as we planned the budget for the year earlier in 2020. So, for example, in this first six months of the year, we've received nearly £30,000 from the government through schemes such as furlough. In our original budget, we planned on spending our expenditure on average about £76,000 a month to undertake all the different things we do as a church. And actually what we've seen in this first six months is that we're spending less than that each month because our models have had to be so different. And at the minute, it's averaging about £61,000 a month, so about £15,000 less than what we were estimating. So, all told, at the mid-year point, we're running a surplus in our budget of about £70,000. Now, at the AGM in January, February this year, um, I said to you all that it was a stated aim of ours as directors that we wanted to um, run a surplus this year in our budget and build up our reserves as a church after running a deficit budget for a couple of years. We're obviously in a strong position to do this. However, we take nothing for granted 
And we know as we move into this second half of the year, we still face many challenges and also opportunities. Indeed, one of the challenges of the past six months has simply been keeping the show on the road, making sure that we can run services like this that mean we have to use different technology, new pieces of kit, enlist the help of people to help um, do all of this at such an amazing high level, week in, week out. So we've spent considerably more on things like that we wouldn't have thought we were going to do at the start of the year. And at the same time, we've also spent less on buildings and some of the other things that we had in the plan that we, we didn't think we would be doing um, now. So, another challenge that we've faced also is having to pause on other activities that are so core to us as a church, such as CAP, and having to furlough some of the staff team. But it's great to be able to report that we're nearly now back to full strength, and we look forward with faith, not fear, to all those opportunities that will come to us as a church and that we'll hear more about in this next part of the evening. We want to be good stewards as directors of this church, as elders, and we know that that doesn't mean that we unnecessarily have to batten down the hatches in all of what we do. We want to be conscious of helping others in this really difficult time, and it's been a privilege to give money away to groups such as Trussell Trust, South Manchester Food Poverty Group, and many others. But we recognise in this second half of the year, arguably, there are bigger challenges to come over the autumn and winter period, both for people in this church and outside of this church, and we want to be attuned to their needs. So to those of you who give regularly and faithfully, thank you. And if you've been wondering about doing so, please do consider stepping up as we press on as a church with new opportunities. Ultimately, you're the heartbeat of this church. All of what we do is only possible because of your generosity. Your giving to and through Ivy is more important than ever. Which leads me on to mentioning about Cheadle Hume, one of the new opportunities that we have as a church and that we've been working hard on. Wasn't it great to be there a couple of weeks ago and enjoy time together in a COVID-compliant way outside, having fellowship, praying and being together? We're close to finishing the work over the next few weeks on the main building there at the site. We know we have to navigate the winter, uh, but we're planning things over Christmas and a whole host of activities to come online next year. And I'm also really excited to share with you tonight that our work there in partnership with the sports clubs isn't going to be known anymore as Chask, or what does Chask mean, or that place where they play a bit of lacrosse and cricket intermingled with a, a, a sprinkling of church. No, we're going to call it Ladybridge Connect. Why? because Ladybridge is the geographic identifier for the place, and Connect is symbolic of all of what we're about and want to do through our presence there, working with and through others, serving the community. The name will help us communicate on social media. It will cross over to our church activity that takes place there, and it will help us engage new and existing people in the community.
So thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for giving. Thank you for being such faithful partners in all of what we do as a church. Brilliant. Thank you, Bob. Yay. Bob does such an amazing job, uh, as well as doing a great job for the Children's Society that he works for as well. And uh, I don't know how he manages to do everything, but he's, t- he's taken such a, a lead on helping us with the Cheadle work, Cheadle Hume work too. So very grateful for him. <laughs> we get, get corrected right. on that. It's not Cheadle, <laughs> Cheadle it's Cheadle Hume. <laughs> Sarah, well, great to have you with us. Thank you. So I have the small matter of what is going to happen next to answer the question on everyone's lips, I'm sure. What are we doing? What are we going to do? next I was um, sent a little book the other day by a chap called John Mark Homer I don't know if you've heard of him he wrote about the ruthless elimination of hurry just before lockdown happened mm-hmm. which ruthlessly eliminated pretty much all my hurry mm-hmm. um, but he's just written a new little ebook called why we don't know what's going to happen and that's okay <laughs> so I'd recommend you have a read of it because it is good uh, and it does help sort of just calm us down in this season of what is going on what is going to happen next That's not to say that certain things aren't important to us. So gathering together is important. We're going to continue to look to find ways to gather together safely. Um, We're going to um, campaign for uh, Anthony's uh, letter to the government to say, please don't stop churches shutting down. If we can meet safely, we would love to continue to do that. We want to be together. We want to also go forward. We want to also be proactive. We want to be planning. We can't just be reacting to everything thing that changes every five minutes and so in doing so the elders have tasked Anthony and Catherine to have some time and to pray and to seek God and to ask him what it is next for us what do we do as we move from this season of multi-site to multiplication one of the things that they've been doing is chatting to some of our incredible staff team and just asking them how can they lead us in this season We have the discipleship pathway, which we've been putting together over many years. It's not a new thing, but we really feel that this is the time to start to roll that out. This is the time to be training up in that, to getting ourselves equipped, to be reaching the people around us. You know, the church in the house that Anthony um, uh, told us to get going with right back in March, that is the place where our primary ministry and our primary gathering can really happen in this season. We really hope that the word that Emma's going to bring is going to help us tonight to see some of the fullness of what that can mean. So we don't know what's going to happen, but it is okay because we've got a God who doesn't give us a map, but offers to guide us every day and every week and every up and down of this whole crazy roller coaster that we're on at the moment. Please do continue to pray for us as elders. As you've heard, we've met loads at this time. It's been a a tense time. There's been lots going on. We've needed extra wisdom. We haven't all been, you know, strong and passionate every day. Some of us have had our own wobbles and stresses and things going on as well. And that continues, of course, to be the case. If you have got more questions, we want to be answering them. We don't want people in our church thinking there's stuff going on they don't know about, there's things being withheld. That's not our heart. We want to communicate as much as we can, as we can in this season. So drop your questions to info at ivychurch.org and we'd love to answer what you want to ask us if we can. Um, So... Uh, please also pray for us, pray for your leaders, pray for the the site leaders, pray for the the church staff and pray for us as elders because we really need incredibly more wisdom than we've been blessed with in this season.
We're about to watch this video with Emma Stark. Um, some of you may not know who she is. She came and spoke at Ivy just a little bit while ago. But before that, myself and Zoe went up to uh, Scotland. Zoe had been going along to, had been watching online this group of people called the Glasgow Prophetic Centre and really felt lots of challenging words from them and, and uh, encouraging words. And then one uh, particularly, I've got to say, particularly awful time we were going through, uh, I felt like here at a church, I just said to her, why don't we go to this thing you've been saying about going to it? We went up and I just remember going and there was a coffee time and nobody knew who we were. We were kind of taking notes at the back somewhere and then we went for the coffee and Emma was there too. Uh, we ended up having a very brief chat with her. Didn't go into any detail about who we were or anything, but she just said, I've got to pray for you. Took us in the back together with a bunch of other people and just, they have this phrase, you know, you got, they, read, they read your mail. It was like, it was as if, all the stuff that had been going on in my, in my life, in our life, and in the life of the church was just laid open and laid bare. And it was such an incredible healing time to have a now word from God. You know, I don't know about you, but, but I, I love the word of God. I love to read the word of God. And God speaks to me just about every day through that. But I also love it when somebody comes along and brings something fresh. Now, what I'm going to ask you to do, just as we get ready to start this, maybe you want to turn the volume down a little bit because, because Emma comes in like a blast. She's just been going a little bit. She's been talking about this vision that she's been having, that she's been praying, and uh, she's got a word that's specifically for Ivy, but she's talking about this open vision in heaven and what God's going to do and what God wants to do. So I'd say slightly turn the volume down so we don't, you don't sue us for your speakers. We'll turn it back up again afterwards, but also get a pen and paper out or something and write some of these things down. Because if you believe in this church, some of the words that she's going to say, it, they're only going to happen if we, if we pray them in and if we do something about them. So uh, are you ready? Uh, let's uh, receive the word from Emma Stark. And then God stood up. And he started to take some steps forward. And there was such a focused intentionality on his face. And he had his staff in his hand, uh, his ruling kind of rod, I suppose. And with such a force, he thrust it into the ground that the whole of that throne room shook and out of his mouth he bellowed two words and he said this Ecclesia now Ecclesia now and Ecclesia, as you know from the reading of Matthew 16, when Jesus says, I will build my Ecclesia, that's the, if you've not come across that word, that's the New Testament Greek word that we translate, I will build my church. But it's what Jesus calls us, his Ecclesia, when he's describing who we will be as a body of believers. And that word Ecclesia is a legislative word. It's a military word. It re means legislative, military, governing senate. And so when Jesus says, I will build my church, He's actually saying, I will build my legislating, governing body, my military army, is what he's saying when he says, I will build my church, which is why the next sentence is, and the gates of hell will not prevail, because he is instituting a warrior bride at that point. And so when God just, uh, in the last 10 days, this is hot off the press revelation, said the word ecclesia, 
church. Now there was this force of the beginning of a new day for we, those of us, we who are his bride, we who are his people, his church. We have dreamed of these days. What I'm about to share with you, we have dreamed of these days. In all the years of our church attendance, in all the years of of faithfulness, these are the days that you contended for to come. You see, the kingdom of God is always nigh and not yet. But I heard the Lord say, you are going to bring something of the kingdom into today, church. You are my community. You are a collective expression of who I am. You are becoming the manifestation of the age to come and the power of the age to come in a present time of rebellion and conflict and pain. And you are going to get an anointing, says the Lord, for radical community. And the Lord says, I will drop into the church a capability for radical community that they have yearned for but never been able to embody. And the Spirit of the Lord says, you are not going to be a gathering of isolated individuals, but you're going to be unified to each other. And you're going to be unified to Jesus in a demonstrable, measurable way that you have never known before. And the Spirit of the Lord said this, it is time to shock the demonic. It is time for the demons to tremble as this surge of Ecclesia now, radical community now, is sent down to us on planet Earth. No wonder we had words like we're being reset or we're being dismantled to be rebuilt. Because God says the rebuilding atmosphere is nigh. And the Lord says, you are going to be a church that proclaim to the kingdom of God that dark powers, that enslave people are now defeated. You are going to know what it is to steward miracles, signs and wonders, forgiveness, deliverance, power and new life. And the Lord says, I am changing the way that you have communicated as my church says God in this season the most key thing that God is doing is he is ending it being the days of the gospel of salvation and God is taking his church out of that narrow thinking into the days of the gospel of the kingdom you see, the gospel of salvation is, is something that we have constructed that's so narrow. Oh, come to Jesus, you know, he'll nurture you, he'll save you. But actually, we have preached in that gospel a sense of, you know, Jesus will give you eternal life, which is true. And that sense of Jesus will evacuate you and save you from planet planet Earth. But the gospel of the kingdom is wider and bigger. And the gospel of the kingdom is a gospel of radical transformation. And the Lord says, I'm going to make you a provocative community and I'm going to make you a kingdom 
community and others are going to say how do you live so differently because you're going to be the embodiment and the demonstration of the kingdom you see let me just explain the difference between the gospel of the salvation and the gospel of the kingdom i think in salvation we 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 kind of deceive people by saying you've got a heart problem you know you're you 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 got a deficit of knowing your value and jesus there there meek and mild will help you have value and help you feel safe and help you you know know that your future is secure now that is true but it is a pale reflection of the fullness of the gospel gospel of the king because actually the gospel of the kingdom is knowing I have a sin problem the gospel of the kingdom is knowing my need of a lord and a savior and a king and a master and the true gospel is not just and stay with me about making Jesus lord of your life he's already lord He's crowned ruler of heaven and earth. All authority and power is in his hands. Jesus Christ is already Lord. The issue isn't making him Lord. The issue is submitting to the king who's already Lord. The gospel of the kingdom is submitting to the lordship of Christ. Where we don't say, oh, Jesus, you just take this mini throne above my head and I'm going to let you sit on it. But it's actually saying I surrender to the king who already is Lord of the universe. And Jesus is saying you are moving into an era of my lordship. You are moving into an era where you will partner with me as the magisterial emperor of all. And it will demand an end to compromise. And it will demand a radicalization of the bride. And the Spirit of the Lord is saying right now, that in these days, there's going to be a level of church restoration that is so high on heaven's agenda. Uh, it's a radical uh, a church restoration. It's a killing of the status quo. It is no longer a time for the world to be monumentally unimpressed with the church because it bears very little resemblance to the kingdom. And you are going to be, Ivy, a manifestation of the kingdom. You are going to m manifest forgiveness like no other to each other. Stories of the goodness of God. Miracles. Even demonstrations of suffering, but maintaining your hope in the midst of it. And the Spirit of the Lord is saying, you will be a demonstration. You will be a demonstration. You will not just have a theology, you will be the theology. And this kingdom shift, this shift 
to the Lordship of Christ again. I think the most important thing we can say in this era of time is not Jesus is my, you know, God is my father or Jesus is my friend, as important as that is. But the most important thing you can say is Jesus is my Lord. Because every kingdom has a king. And this kingdom has its own culture. You know, just as I have an Irish accent and an Irish dialect, and sometimes we can spot tribes by their distinctive dress or clothing, there is a vocabulary and there is a behavior that represent the citizenship of the kingdom of God. And the spirit of the Lord is saying, I do not want you to dumb down your language. And we have this peculiar thing where we talk about Christianese, like we need to pander to the world and lose the words like glory that we think are confusing. But the, but the spirit of the Lord is saying, I want you to use words like salvation and glory and hope and glory to glory and signs and wonders and tongues and deliverance. I want those words not taken out of your language. And if you call them Christianese, call them Christianese. For the Spirit of the Lord says, if you dumb down the culture, if you dumb down the language, you will never be a provocation to the people to ask you about the hope that is within you. And the Lord says, I don't want you pandering to the culture anymore. The Lord says, make your language compelling to the culture with words that they do not use. And I remember when we first went into the psychic fairs with the witches and the warlocks, and we were, uh, you know, we were trying to prophesy in that environment. And I remember going in some years ago and going, well, God, what do we offer? You know, do we offer spiritual readings? Um, do we offer, uh, you know, prophetic words? W what do we say? And the Lord says, don't you dare play the enemy at his game. And don't you dare call it spiritual readings because you have no differentiation from what the tarot card readers and the mystics are doing. You call what you do prophetic words from King Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And so when I, we learned lessons there, when I go into my children's school and I'm talking uh, with one of the teachers about stress and anxiety that one of my children had in the maths class. And I say things like uh, this to the teacher, we just bind that demon of stress when they come into this classroom of yours and we lock that demon up in the cupboard at the back. And we say that stress and anxiety may not be let loose in your classroom. And the demon's like, well, the demon's locked up. The teacher's like, whoa, what is this woman talking about? But how do they know that there's a kingdom clash unless you explain in biblical language what is actually going on? Let me tell you this about this kingdom message that you're going to be the demonstration and the embodiment of because the kingdom of God is a massive topic to uh, kind of uh, wrestle with. But I think the kingdom message is hardly ever heard today. R rare exceptions. 
and the way that the early church lived it and preached it, I would go as far as to say it doesn't actually exist on planet Earth today. You see, what was spoken and modeled by John the Baptist, by Jesus, by Paul, by Peter and the rest of the disciples was so titanic. It was so overwhelming. It was so radical. It was so uncompromising. It made the strongest of men quake. And the early church ripped the earth apart. It looked like by their bare hands, by the power of the gospel they embodied. They were firebrands, unlike anything that you and I will have encountered. They left all to follow Christ. Their devotion was resolute. It was total. It was utter. utter. It got John the Baptist beheaded. It got Jesus crucified. It got Peter imprisoned. It got Paul killed. It incited riots. It provoked misunderstanding and the claims of Jesus Christ not regarding just his salvation but regarding his kingship regarding his kingdom regarding his nation are so absolutely extreme that they threaten even our closest friendships And what amazes me when you understand what the kingdom is about is that somebody like Paul of Tarsus can walk into a Gentile city empty-handed and pagan Gentiles turn away from their idols. They spin away from their idolatry. They give complete allegiance to Jesus of Nazareth as the true Lord of the world. And Paul leaves the city. In fact, he leaves for over a year. He's only been there a few months. I mean, we would look at Paul today and say that's pathetically low-grade version of discipleship. He abandons it. But he returns to find the same ex-pagan Gentiles still following Christ because they have understood it's about a king and it's about a kingdom that demands allegiance. And I have to say this, and I know this is shocking, but the closest thing we have today is the radicalized terrorists that preach, you know, radical jihad messages. Because Why? I know that's shocking. Because they understand that they no longer identify themselves by their nationalities or by their countries, but they align themselves to the bringing in of another kingdom. And when you got saved... You no longer were British first or Canadian first or American first or whatever your passport says. When you get saved, you become a citizen of the kingdom of God first. That's your prime identification. That's your prime nationality. It's so scandalous. That no wonder in scripture people like Herod tremble because they understand there's a king and a kingdom and there's a growing remnant of people who are primary members of this kingdom. It's, it's a wild thought. And so disciples who are holy nations what does Peter say you know royal priesthood a a holy people a, a holy nation 
They stop giving allegiance and pledges to the flags of this world because they understand that the whole world system is coming down and one day God will replace it by his increasing kingdom. Now you're talking about peace and I think you're probably talking about the fruit of the spirit but I've kind of gone at it from this which is why I brought you this message of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end there is a advancing of the kingdom of God its rulership and its peace on planet earth but it requires us to partner with it and to understand that I am a revolutionary who is being reset by God in radical communities who are going to look completely different to anything we have ever known of church before. The kingdom of God is not an internal private thing. The kingdom of God is not just me and my small corner and my lovely salvation. The kingdom of God is a public reality that shapes our lives. It's the manifestation of the ruling presence of God. And so when you perform signs, wonders, and miracles, they are signposts to the kingdom of God. They're electrifying signs that God's future is arriving in the present. And each sign and each wonder and each act of kindness and each act of goodness and faithfulness and mercy and peace and each act of deliverance and each act of feeding the poor and each act that demonstrates the kingdom is an electrifying moment that shows people that there's a new nation that they can be part of. There's a new kingdom and there's a community that are living as it is in heaven on the earth realm. And healing and deliverance and righteous laws are fruits of the kingdom of God. And in this time when many nations are facing, facing elections, we look at, um, you know, Canada looking at a snap election or, or most notably probably America. You see, you can run to the systems of the world like politics. And please, some of you do. And you can run to education. And please, some of you do. And you can run to economics. And yes, some of you jolly well need to be doing that too. To see righteousness worked out in the nation. But you've got to understand that politics and regime change and political shiftings should never become our dominant focus because they are not where salvation is found. And righteous laws and righteous politicians do not save nations. And the Lord is saying to us today, I had to put you in stamina training and I had to shake you to the very core of your being so that some of you didn't even know whether you'd be able to keep on going because you are going to enter a clash of the kingdoms where this world will no longer define you, nor will your race, nor will your social 
status. You may be involved in politics. You may be involved in education, but you are no longer defined by it. You may no longer pledge allegiance to national flags and political parties because your entering of the kingdom of God was a total and final ending to you being in the world. And if you've been water baptized, you've been through a burial where the, as a sign that the past allegiances are totally and radically gone. And the spirit of the Lord is saying that you church are going to be the better place that you dreamed you would be. You church are going to be the compelling place on planet earth. You church are going to be made like Revelation 1 6 says he made us to be a kingdom and the Lord says my strategy right now as it has always been is to look at the mess of the world and to plant a new world order a new civilization a new nation in the middle of planet earth and to woo the world to the new nation to woo the world to Christ himself and the Lord says you cannot transform anything if you are not transformed yourself and we made it for years Run to the front. Accept Jesus into your heart. You need a savior. Say a prayer. Read a book. But we never told people that they came into a kingdom, into a lordship nation governed by King Jesus, which one day would see the kingdoms of this world totally become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. The radical community that you have longed for, Ivy, is coming back. And the demonstration of God is coming back. And the Lordship of Christ is coming back. And the extreme ones are rising again. And the Spirit of the Lord says, where you have felt dry and cracked and parched and devoid of fullness on your insides, the Lord says, do you not see that you are at your most flammable? And the Spirit of the Lord says, flammable church, flammable church, my fire will consume you. My time is nearly gone. Ivy, you dreamed of this. You dreamed of this. You dreamed of this moment. So let the status quo be totally disabled in the midst of you. Let the building after the patterns of previous men be deconstructed. And I loose to you right now in the name of Jesus, Ivy Church, this anointing for radical community I loose to you right now. You're just going to catch it by impartation. I loose to you a new mindset that you're a kingdom citizen first and foremost. And in the name of Jesus, I speak over you that you're not just the church. 
You're the ecclesia. Not I, says the Lord. Amen. Whew. Amen. Come on. Yes, Lord. You know, just before we, um, we met together, a couple of um, people who, who were in the building who come just to pray, Phil and Nikki, they had some pictures and visions, and they talked about how um, they, they felt that there was like leaves falling to the ground in this time, which obviously there is naturally. Um, but, you know, all of our ivy leaves that we've had, all these different places we've had, all these different names that we've had and sites that we've had and all that. We're, we're in a time, and we don't know whether at some point we're going to go into these buildings that we've used before in these different ways. We don't know whether that'll happen. Um, but, but one thing's for sure, we're never going to go back. We're always only going to go forward. And if we're going to go into those places, it will be to go forward. But, you know, all those ivy leaves right now, if I believe... If we'll release them to the Lord, then he'll do something absolutely amazing. You know, it's like sometimes he comes to you and in some ways it's like, I'm going to take it anyway, but will you give it me? And, and he prefers it so much because if it's an offered thing, then it becomes a sacrifice and and there's always power released in sacrifice the only reason we got to be anywhere in the different places that we've been is when this church was flipped the other way around a bunch of us some years ago all came with our keys to this building and we put them on the stage and we said lord we're not holding on to this we're not holding on to anything we just want to hold on to you and again that's what it's called for this sort of resetting this this the new way to be church not just to do church and so if earlier when Sarah was talking and asking that question about so what's what's the church going to do next great question church what are you going to do next church what what are you going to do now I tell you a really good thing to do is to get on our knees. It's to just get on our knees wherever we are. Because <sighs> every good thing God has ever done in my life has always started with me on my knees. Just in that posture of surrender. This ecclesia that has been talked about, this new thing that isn't really an old, a new thing, it's just the God's old thing for today. Same amazing, glorious, wonderful thing that he wants to do and he wants to use us. Just offer back your life to him. If you've been to one of our church communities in these recent years and you, maybe you've met Jesus there, maybe you've made good friends there, maybe you love that building and you love those place, places and you love those people. Great. Thank God for that. And then let the leaves fall. Sometimes the seasons reflect God's seasons, sometimes they don't. But this is a time, just, just shake it. Shake those things off if you want to. Just like the wind, the new wind comes. That's what the picture was. The wind blows through and the leaves fall to the ground. And new things start to grow. And you know, radical community means roots. It's right down. We've got to go down deep deeper into God and deeper into community and deeper into loving and maybe that will as she's talked about involve radical forgiveness 
which only happens by the Holy Spirit. But don't let anything hold you back. Radical love, radical generosity, radical sacrifice. Somebody said that if you want to see revival, many years ago, a guy called Gypsy Smith said the thing to do is that you, you just draw a circle around yourself, wherever you are, and you say, Lord, pour it out here on everything inside this circle. And, and this is some opportunity now for us to be able to do that, to, to let go of anything, give the Holy Spirit permission to shake off anything that's going to hold you back from being part of this and seeing all that God is going to do in this season. What a time to be alive. What a time to be church. What a time to have the hope of the world and of all eternity, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Send revival, Lord. Start with me. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org slash media.